Welcome to Parenting in the Trenches. I'm Karen Peters, a registered clinical counselor, and I'm a mom. We're getting real about all things family from a mental health perspective. So let's get to it. Today I have with me Raina Duchin, who has a private practice in Surrey and Langley. She's a registered clinical counselor. She works with couples with a variety of issues, um, and she's just completed her level two training in, Got- in the Gottman Method. Uh, she's also really passionate about working with people through experiences of anxiety and panic. And she also works with first responders and those with disordered eating and body image concerns. I'm really glad you are uh, on Parenting in the Trenches today. Raina, thanks for coming. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. I've got a few questions for you related to self-care that might surprise people when they listen, because even as I was planning this series, I was thinking much more on an individual level that self-care is about what we do for ourselves. Um, And in the learning process, really decided we can't really do the topic justice without talking about our relationships, because inevitably what we bring to the table and how we face ourselves uh, has an impact on how we relate to other people and the health and wellness of our relationships. So I wanted to talk about our couple relationship today. So if we're in a partnership, long-term or short-term, there's some stuff that comes with that that has to do with self-care. So I'm wondering if we can begin um, by looking at the broader conversation of as a couples therapist, what are some of the things that we can do to take good care of the bonds that we have? Yeah. Um, Well, I feel like um, it's it's similar to self-care in that a lot of the things that we kind of know are good for good for our relationships do require sort of extra effort and time um, that sometimes we we kind of I, I feel like when when life is happening and you know you're busy with with work and kids and family and stuff I think sometimes the relationship um, piece can can sort of be deprioritized a little bit you know it's sort of yeah. the the, the last thing that you, you know, you kind of come home at the end of the day and you feel like you don't really have a lot of um, energy to spend that quality time or, or practice really good, you know, communication skills. So I guess I, I always like to think of self-care and relationship care as to, to remind people that even though these things kind of feel like they take a little bit out of your fuel tank, I think they replenish far more than they take away mm-hmm. especially over the long term right so it's it's kind of like you know with me i know a big a big uh, important thing for self-care is exercise okay. <laughs> going to the you know going to the gym it's definitely not something i always feel like doing and for sure glad to hear <laughs> it because when i hear people who go to the gym regularly i get so jealous of their will to like they get something out of it every time it's not oh me. yeah no no way you have to work at it okay good <laughs> Yeah, and, and sometimes you kind of, you know, you just feel like, man, this is the last thing I feel like I have yeah. the energy to do. But I think you kind of just know um, through experience that, like, no, this does help my overall wellness. And so the mm-hmm. same thing with relationships, I guess, is to be, you know, like when you talk about, I know I often talk with couples about, like, okay, so we need to, you know, schedule some, some quality time, like a date night or some sort of, 
and and there will often be comments about, well, you know, we just, you know, we don't we don't have the time for that kind of thing. And I, I so empathize with that because I feel like a lot of times it's true that the time is really, really tight. But I'll say, well, you know, it, it might end up being, um, you know, it, like I say, I feel like it replenishes us more. It energizes us more than it takes away from our energy. But yeah, and I guess just broadly speaking, I, I think I'm always encouraging people to um, focus on the micro rather than the macro um, mm-hmm. in terms of, um, and that's kind of actually, I sort of have that philosophy for like life in general. I feel that often we put a bit more emphasis on like the big milestones or big events and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I kind of feel like the meaning of life is usually found in just the, the little moments. Mm-hmm. So it's the same with relationships. I think often there's a tendency to want to, if we're feeling disconnected, we kind of think, all right, well, we should do something grand, some sort of let's take a trip or let's, let's I'm going to do a grand gesture for my partner or let's do something big to kind of reignite the spark. But I, and those things can be great, <laughs> but also think it's important to just be, um, you know, zeroing in on those those little moments as well. Just you know, and like you talked about Gottman, how how they refer to bids, I guess, yeah. as, as any any request for a positive moment of connection. So anything from um, like holding out a hand to to hold your partner's hand to um, just a, a warm look or telling you know just telling them a joke or asking for their advice. Just anything that you're trying to engage in that moment. Uh, with your partner so we want to I guess turn in turn towards those things really lean into those things um, and try to notice them as much as as much as we can a lot of a lot of times that stuff goes unnoticed I think so kind of leaning into those micro moments of positive connection yeah you know and that's really reflective of some of the earlier conversations we had about self-care on an individual level Mm -hmm. is even just noticing the small things that we need to be okay throughout the day, that it isn't about like, I'm just going to hang on for the next month and a half until I'm granted that spa day, like that kind of mentality where I think that's like, we get this buildup of like, I've got a day off coming up way down the road. I just got to, you know, grit my teeth and bear it, you know, I just got to make it till then. And I think to some degree, those things are meant to be anchoring, right? Where we, we find stamina when we know there's like a light at the end of the tunnel for something, um, even if it's temporary. But I think we miss out on the the deeper self-care of being able to say, but how am I going to be able to sustain this way of life? How do I take care of my needs in the moment, not wait until that one four hour period that I scheduled off duty, right? And similarly, yeah. when you talk about the relationship care, it sounds very paced. Like there's small moments that, mean a whole lot to us when we're recognized and we're seen and we're heard and we're paid attention to and and we catch that in our partner as well yeah i mean to me that's kind of just what your life is is a collection of moments right so i sort of think of it as like the relationship is happening right now every day let's not wait for exactly like you're saying let's not wait for that vacation we have planned six months from now where we can finally reconnect um Because by that point, if we have been turning away from each other, there might be a lot of resentment that actually might mm. uh, affect the way we can reconnect and come back together. 
once we have that opportunity. Yeah, fair. Yeah, that's good point. Because we can, we can, <laughs> we can just like suspend all the issues, but in the meantime, we're collecting new ones, and yeah. we hang it all on while the date night's coming up, so we can unload. <laughs> and then it yeah. destroys the date night because we're not really connecting; we're just unloading. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's yeah. That's a good way of putting because life is happening every day, yeah, and, and you know, yeah. you need your you need your your partner and and to you know those those couple bonds to kind of. Um, yeah, to kind of move through, move through the day. Yeah. I know some of the hardest bumps in our relationship journey can happen when there's a big transition. So a big change happens, um, a transition of any kind, really, it could be a positive one, but it's a shift in how we are together. So maybe it's dealing with like a sudden loss or having to pivot directions as a family, um, because of something totally out of your control or because uh, there's something kind of more natural but significant happening, like a baby or your empty nesting. Can you talk a bit about how those transition points commonly impact our relationship? And how do we, is there some way to help us move through that well? Yeah, well, I think, so, you know, regardless of what kind of transition it is, whether it is something exciting and joyous or, or something more difficult, think generally there's an added stress <laughs> that's coming with it and some level of uncertainty um perhaps the increased emotional vulnerability so yeah stress you know often you know less energy not having as much time for the relationship not having as much patience so overall transitions can cause some turbulence i think in the relationship and that's generally caused by a change in expectations or assumptions um, that we have for each other. Sort of, we've we've come to rely on each other in a certain way. We've developed this interdependence over time, and then a transitional point, you know, having a child or um, taking a new job or having to move, can kind of shake all of that up. So now we might not be able to occupy the same roles that we used to in our relationship. Um, you know, we might not be able to keep up with the kind of same responsibilities that, that we were. Um, and we might not have the, um, the, we might not have the capacity, you know, given what's going on, perhaps we're, we're, we're caring for a, a sick loved one or something like that. We might not have the same capacity to really be attuned to our partner and, and show up for them. So I think the main thing is to just kind of recalibrate, first of all, <laughs> sort of yeah. have a really intentional discussion about, all right, you know, here's where we're at now. What are the new expectations and sort of the new roles? How are we going to pivot to sort of reorganize as a team to face mm -hmm. kind of this new issue? And I think that's important, too, to really always position it's me and you against the thing we're dealing with. Mm -hmm. It's not, you know me against you and yeah. now I'm working with this thing. Um, so, so trying to recalibrate, you know, okay, be honest about, you know, where you're at and, and kind of what your level is. Um, I think sometimes when these transitions happen too, depending on what's going on, people, you know, partners, we might not really feel comfortable communicating openly about feeling a level of 
uncertainty in the relationship or even just feeling kind of dissatisfied in the relationship or maybe there's feelings of jealousy coming up depending on if you're you know you feel like your partner's time is and energy is spent elsewhere so but we know from from the research that communicating about this stuff does actually really help and uh you know it helps to strengthen the relationship over time um so so we we don't want to um avoid those conversations i would think for sure as hard as they can be to bring up yeah yeah and then i think the the last thing would be to um acknowledge sort of look at the transition in in the broad like narrative of of our life is sort of like all right well we're here right now but what are we working towards maybe this is a very difficult period or a period of time where the relationship just looks a little bit different maybe it doesn't look how we're used to or how we would ideally like it to in terms of how much time we're spending but what are what are we working towards in the future and how can we sort of come out of this a stronger connection and um, closer, closer together. When I think of times where I've gone through really big transitions, I've retroactively noticed the pace of how we walk through those traditions or through those transitions. So that can be hard. Like I know Gottman talks a lot about moving through time together. And I think the, the, area of the phases of relationships that that's the hardest to do is when something's become really disruptive in that like we don't have our rhythms to count on anymore we have to have all these intentional conversations again to kind of reset things to re-establish our course which is really positive and really helpful for moving forward it's the it's the best way to navigate that but i think also really hard because we're in the middle of our own transition process. So how I'm absorbing the fact that that I'm parenting or how I'm absorbing the fact that my kids have left the house or I'm absorbing the fact that my my parents passed away or or my job, I lost my job or or my partner lost my job. That has my own impact, right? On on how I run my life. And so I think about how we individually have to take care of ourselves as well and identify, take the time to identify what our own needs are. How am I going to have that intentional conversation with you if I don't, if I haven't taken the time to be in touch with what's happening for me, if I'm really thrown, right? I, it might take me longer to collect myself than my partner. So maybe my partner comes to me with this intentional conversation of, okay, where are we going to go now? And I'm like, I'm still in chaos land. Like, I don't, I don't even know what I feel like. Right. And so I think that's a hard period of time to reconnect. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that is true. Actually, when I'm saying to have those conversations, it's true. That's a, it's a hard conversation to have. And depending on where you are at personally going through that transition, perhaps you're not ready to kind of, you know, have have that conversation yet but I think even just communicating that is really helpful and sort of labeling that feeling of just like hey I still feel a little bit chaotic right now um I mean you you really just want to I think give each other so much grace (laughs) during those tough times and just you know I think oftentimes we kind of take turns giving and receiving support right so we want to be attuned to okay right now I feel like you know I would love to you know, have some support, but I can really see it in my partner that 
you know, I want to, I want to be there for them right now. Um, mm. And sort of kind of defer to them and then, and then, you know, in the future, they'll, they'll be able to kind of give me that time and space. Yeah. It's the actively kind of, uh, it's a mental space of taking turns, right? Of who am I centering? Who needs what from who? But that in and of itself is connecting because you can see the intention between the couple in that conversation. Even though I can't tell where he's at or he doesn't know where he's at, having the conversation to just name that is really helpful. Yeah. Do you have... Um, any tips for couples who want to get better at connecting in really quality ways? So the things that you've learned along the journey of working with couples that really have a great impact. Um, so maybe people have been together for a while or things kind of feel stale or, or predictable. So, you know, when the patterns feel set or you get a bit bored um, in that space, cause that's so common. And I think people feel either resentment about that because they expected it not to happen to them. <laughs> like, I didn't think we'd be that couple that got felt flat halfway, you know, or fourth yeah. year of marriage or whatever, but it happens. And, and if we have the courage to acknowledge it and recognize, okay, everybody goes through these phases. This is so normal. Um, but you want to be able to like either get the spark back or reconnect at a different level. What, how do we go about that? Yeah, well, I think the first uh, step is exactly what you say, which is acknowledging that that's completely normal. <laughs> um, yeah. I've definitely had, um, yeah, as, as a in my private practice, I've had couples um, coming to me who, you know, aren't necessarily dealing with a, a ton of conflict at the time, but just noticing that they've really disconnected over over the years and kind of end up feeling more as, as roommates or just as friends rather than like romantic partners. Um, and I noticed that I think that there is a sense of relief that comes in even just acknowledging that that's super normal and and just happens, you know, over over the years. Um, despite what I think, you know, rom-coms would have us believe, right? Oh, my like, word, yes. <laughs> I feel like there's this there's this idea that like finding the right person is the hard part, and then once you find them, then you know you're set, right? Everything will be good. Yeah. So, whereas I feel like it's actually probably a little bit more the opposite. You know, yeah. it's it's really the work that you put into it. So, yeah, and you know, I myself have been in a a, a relationship for ten years, so I have some experience with, with these phases, right? You know, periods of connection, periods of of more disconnection. Um, so the first thing is just to normalize it. Doesn't mean you're doomed. I think sometimes we get to this place of sort of second guessing the whole thing. Like you know, yeah. things are getting stale. Did I marry the wrong person? Am I, you know, yeah. are we just doomed to a life of monotony? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And the answer is probably no. Uh, certainly doesn't have to be. Um, so I really like. Um, Esther Perel's work on, on this when she talks about like desire and, and connection because she talks about how there's the two needs in relationships that seem to kind of push up against each other. On the one hand, we have that a need for safety and security and familiarity and predictability. So kind of all the things that you were just mentioning, like, you know, to in a sense that that's very comfortable because so we know that our partner is going to accept us. We know that they're going to be there for us. 
But on the other hand, we also have this need for excitement and um, adventure and mystery and surprise. So they seem to kind of directly um, go against each other. And we want all of these things from one person. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So they're meant to, our partner's meant to be somehow predictable and safe and reliable, but also very exciting, passionate, mysterious at the same time. Yes. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. (laughs) Yeah. So like no pressure at all. No problem. Very, very easy thing. Um, So in terms of like, okay, so tips, what can we actually do? I think, I think the, the first thing is often we need to, if you, if you found that you you've gotten to this point where where you feel like things have become predictable, um, take taking some time to realize if what what actually your relationship is like with yourself as well, and sort of ha- taking some time to invest in your own hobbies and interests, I think is often really important. Um, and perhaps you recognize that you know what I don't actually don't really have any hobbies and interests that are separate from my partner, so maybe that's a time to perhaps start cultivating some something new in that area. Because, you know, we know that desire flourishes in the absence. <laughs> and sort of we want to be able to spend some time away from each other, but not just, you know, distance for distance sake, but really time to um, go off on your own and do something that matters to you as an individual so that you have things to kind of share with each other when you come back together at the end of the day um, and you're able to kind of bring them a little bit into to your world that is. And so, so, so then you do kind of become this mysterious person in a way. Um, I, I know for me, um, well, for, for in, in, in couples, sometimes, you know, if one, say one person is involved in music and the other one, um, it isn't, you know, isn't really musical, doesn't play any instruments. That can be a really cool thing to see your partner um, engaging in that um, activity that they're really passionate about and they seem to really um, enjoy and, and, and have skill and talent in. Um, and so that can, can really do a lot to um, strengthen the connection, to see your partner in a little bit of a, with a new perspective, I guess. Yeah, it makes sense because it's the difference between assuming that we need to be the same to be in love. It's it's actually the differences or the unique qualities that where desire lives because I can long to be in the presence of something that I don't bring to myself, right? So I, yeah, there's yeah, there's something there that's unique and valued. Yeah, and I think you know what, whenever things have gotten like you say a little bit stale or predictable, we we do always think of you know introducing more novelty into the relationship so and you know I think the sort of the the ways that come to mind are thinking like okay well let's try you know doing things we don't normally do let's sort of take a cooking class or a dance class or or go on a vacation or you know introduce new things and and those things can can certainly be very helpful but and again this is what Esther Perel talks about how often novelty is sort of like um, an internal thing, sort of exploring places in yourself that perhaps, you know, you haven't um, been acquainted with for a while. Mm -hmm. You know, she has that amazing quote where she's talking about 
physical intimacy and she says you know sex isn't something you do it's a place that you go which oh, i just thought was yes, such a I cool idea yeah yeah because it, it's sort of this idea that like you know it who who are you when when you get to be that person yes that has fun and, and gets to uh let go a little bit from responsibilities and and stressors of of your life and mortgages and in-laws and all of this stuff who, who, do you, who are you mortgages and in-laws you nailed the top two yeah hey yeah you know I'm, i mean i'm a couple therapist right i know this. and i'm in a couple so you know i get it i get it well i always like to think like you know so who were you when you were on your honeymoon you it was you and 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 you 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 guys went yeah. together and and there was that spark so i like to think that that's always still the within you you know um we just need to how can we connect a little bit how can we reconnect to that person inside of you who you were when you kind of were in that more passionate place of of desire yeah okay maybe we could tackle conflict because it's inevitable just like the flat periods of time in relationship where we feel a little meh we also inevitably we are growing individuals we are not going to live without tension we change and we pivot and we don't always align so mm -hmm. when conflict feels built up or there's lots of high tension um where it's not just okay we had a tiff the other night and then we made up but like this kind of like um period of time where we feel like you know what for the last few months we just feel at odds like nothing's jiving and i'm tired of it and you know i don't know how to address it how do we best walk through those periods of time you talked earlier a bit about that in terms of transition periods are really ripe for that mm -hmm. um and how we walk through those do you have a couple of ideas that you can share specifically around the high tension periods of conflict even if it's not about change but just we're not getting along yeah yeah well so i definitely see you know see couples coming in uh, I, I think a lot of the time when couples are coming to, to me it's because they're dealing with some level of conflict of some kind mm -hmm. that they're having a hard time navigating through so i kind of see that as, as a big part of my job is helping people to um, learn to move through conflict in more productive ways yeah and I never really frame it like the goal isn't necessarily to fight less um although that often happens as a natural byproduct of improving the connection and improving the friendship system you know getting good communication skills but it's not necessarily the goal to fight less the goal is actually to fight better <laughs> yes. to fight in a yeah. more productive way and I know you've talked a little bit about this on the podcast I always talk of, I always frame it as like fighting clean versus fighting dirty you know yes. having a good clean fight <laughs> I, yeah. I guess like in, you know in boxing I suppose I don't know anything about boxing but <laughs> I, I feel like there's some there's some moves that are just like off limits right they're against the rules and so yeah. it's not like a normalized part of that fight and we want to think of the same thing in relationships like absolutely you know we're going to argue we're going to debate we're going to sometimes hurt each other but there should be certain things that just aren't really part of our repertoire uh yes. at least as much as possible things that we really um 
commit to just this isn't this isn't part of how we fight um and so i think you know those are all things that we all, i think a lot of us intuitively know you know screaming at each other insulting uh, emotional abuse stuff like that um but i think one sort of tip for this is to think about the way that we um approach um complaining or criticizing so we always want to try to highlight what we're upset about um, and express it as a positive, frame it as a positive need that we're asking for. So, you know, here's what I feel and here's what I need from you. Um, rather than criticizing like who our partner is as a person and sort of labeling them with some negative traits about their personality. So, with a you know a common example being like the dishes or something which i feel like yeah. is such a a common source of yes it strife is. for us they all never go away <laughs> yeah it never goes away and it they you know rightly so it, it's stressful it can be this this source of chaos in your life to have you know constant dishes so i think a lot of times you know we come home at the end of the day we're already pretty tired um you know we might have a lot going on if we see that the dishes aren't done and, and they were our partner was supposed to have done them we might you know kind of come in come in hot and say you know what the heck like you were supposed to do this you're so lazy yeah. you never do what you say you're gonna do can't believe it like yeah. so there's a, a number of things wrong with that <laughs> yeah. um the first is is that it, again it, it's sort of labeling and criticizing specifically like you are lazy um and it's also using we kind of want to avoid using words like always and never because mm -hmm. they're just these global absolute yeah. statement um, that kind of back people into a corner. So the better, you know, uh, perhaps a more strategic way of going about it or just a way that, that tends to um, be a little bit more productive would be to highlight, just highlight the fact and how we feel that and say, okay, you had said you were going to do the dishes. Um, I can see they're not done. I'm, you know, feeling frustrated. I just was really counting on that chore being done today. Uh, can you please attend to that? <laughs> yeah. um, and again, this is where I feel like sometimes I'll, I'll sort of highlight, okay, this is kind of what we're shooting for. And couples will say like, man, that seems like that would take so much effort and energy mm -hmm. in the moment to like mm -hmm. think of all that and really frame it that way. Um, and it, it's true. It does, it, especially if it's not sort of the habit that you formed. But again, this is where I remind people, I feel like developing this, it fuels us much more than it takes away because yeah. um, you know if you if you have the first interaction that could then potentially lead into a fight and then and then that's even more negativity and, and depleted energy in your day so yeah because um, those types of situations tend to become like ping pong right yeah. now you've accused me of something and I never do this now I'm gonna shoot back at you something that you never do and then, yeah. right, which yeah. now we've got two problems on our hands and nobody's dealing with either one of them. We're just shooting from the hip. So, yeah, yeah, it just yeah. It, it elicits defensiveness, I think, right. or like you say, just a counterattack. Um, and that's what we know about why it's not great to use insults and labels and general statements. I like to I like to think of it as whenever we have a complaint and this is in you know our partnerships or just any relationship though we want to give people a path forward 
And like, we want to kind of make it as easy as, as we can for them, because that just makes it more likely that they're going to kind of, you know, help us out. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, Hey, look, so in, in that situation, if I'm just saying, look, I'm frustrated by this, it was supposed to be done. Can you do it? The path forward's fairly clear. It's like, all right, yeah, I guess I, I should have done that. I'll, I'll do it. Um, but if I'm if I'm just sort of attacking my partner, you're lazy. You never do what you say you're going to do. You always let me down time and time again. You know, how is this ever going to work? Now the problem feels like this huge, daunting, like negative cloud of like, well, man, I guess if I'm just that lazy and I never do what I say I'm going to do, how do I even begin to improve that? <laughs> What's my path forward here? There's a lot of, um, in the courses I've created, in the podcast episodes, a lot of peppering in Brene Brown's piece around the difference between shame and guilt. And I think that's what you Mm -hmm. just nailed on the head is the difference between if I feel shamed, it's about me, I'm bad. That's not a place where we grow from. So the likelihood of us getting a good outcome out of that method is pretty much zilch. If it's about guilt guilt can be healthy i feel like i have failed on a certain measure something i committed to do and i need some accountability around that i have agency and control about actually improving that thing which is a big difference right so if my partner is regularly telling me how terrible i am as a person (laughs) the likelihood of me being able to say i'm going to improve on that is very low If, however, I get, you know what, we're still in this place, this is a problem, this is how I'm feeling, Um, I see a way through, where are you at with this? That conversation means I have the ability to contribute to a solution, which feels way, way, way different. Yeah, for sure. It's so true. I'm glad you bring up that distinction between guilt and and shame, because I feel like a lot of times when when I'm talking to couples, they're, they're see, like, you know, once they've reached a point where, where things have become really quite difficult and strained for a long time, there is a lot of shame there. And when you look at the dynamic and the interaction, it, it, it is a lot of, um, like low blows, I guess we could say, or, or comments specifically to attack, like, like we say, the, the person rather than the behavior. We always want to just, you know, highlight the specific behavior or, you know, circumstance that we have a problem with, not the person, you know, who we're (laughs) partnered with. Um, So So every episode in this series, I'm asking whoever I'm interviewing to see if they can come up with one challenge for us that relates to the topic that we've discussed. So can you leave us today with a challenge for the week that will help us care really well for our partner relationships? Okay. Yes. I had thought, I, can I do two? <laughs> two challenges? Yes. Maybe two. I like challenges. <laughs> um, well, so I guess one of them, because this actually just reminds me of, you know, at the very beginning talking about taking good care of our couple bonds. So yeah. one thing that I like to do is just sort of like a activity with couples Um has to do with the idea of just conscious appreciation, like um, building up that culture of, of um, appreciation and, and, and value for one another. So um, I think what, so what's helpful here is, you know, you give them 
a list of adjectives and you know you can just you don't even need the list to do it necessarily it's from the Gottman method the one that I use um but you could just you could just think of them on your own so the list of like I think like a hundred positive adjective words to describe your partner so things like funny or intelligent hardworking, generous um and then each person takes takes a turn just picking a few to start with you know maybe pick like three uh, to, to describe your partner and you know you can think back to well, what you know what attracted me what really drew me to them in the first place when we first met what did I notice about them then because you know some, sometimes these things we lose we lose sight of over time even though our partners still are it's, uh, all those amazing qualities we kind of yeah, grow to them for granted yeah, yeah we lose focus so to kind of write them down you know get some stats on paper here and then uh Think of, I, I then encourage people to think of specific examples recently, if possible, that your partner demonstrated those qualities. Mm -hmm. So a specific example of a time that they were funny and they really made you laugh or a time that you really could see their generous spirit or, or their strong work ethic um, and take turns sharing those with each other. I think it's a it's such a great activity because, and I, I love doing it in session because then I get to see each each yeah, partner's reaction yeah just being complimented so so sincerely and in such a in such a lovely way and they're like oh mm -hmm. all right well i didn't really realize you noticed when i did that the other day nice. but it looks like you did cool um yes. so yeah so that would be the first thing um and then i guess the second challenge um would have to relate to um getting to know each other a little bit better so I think you've talked about with Gottman in the Gottman method they talk about love maps right so sort of your internal representation of your partner's world how, for how well you know them and their world and their experience um, and you know sometimes when we're in long-term relationships I feel like we sort of kind of think like that we know everything there is to know about our partner <laughs> you know you've been together like a couple decades or whatever you're like oh, I know everything and yeah. I just don't think that can ever really be true I think there's always more you could know there's always like intimacy as sort of meaning that the deep connection that we have in in partnerships never really reaches bottom I don't think you can always go deeper because you're just I'm a different person than I was five years ago 10 years ago exactly. i'm a different person than i was two months ago you know <laughs> there's, there's always more to know right yeah. so one challenge and i like to do this sometimes would be um just setting some some time to uh spend together to share a memory that you've never shared with each other before mm -hmm. um you know a positive a positive memory you know or or at least one with with positive aspects to it um, perhaps from childhood or early adolescence. And as the, as the sharer, you get to just go into as much detail as possible and just sort of really bring your partner into that moment in time for you. Um, mm -hmm. You know, every, everything, perhaps it's like a, a birthday party that when you were a kid that you remember really fondly or, or a day, a day at school or, or some friend or whatever it is. And then as the listener, you get to just, really listen and really consider what it, what it, that experience was like for your partner and sort of try to imagine them in that scenario. Um, 
and I, lo- I love to do this. My partner knows I love to like um, talk about child- childhood memories, uh, yeah. specifically of just like early childhood elementary school. Just have mm-hmm. a lot of really fond memories of that time and I just kind of like talking about it and, and sharing. And so I really appreciate um, being able to do that. And I feel like each time we share those kinds of memories, you, do, you, you learn something a little bit more about each other and you come to appreciate them in a bit of a different way. Yeah, those would be my my two challenges. (laughs) Those are awesome. I will include them both. Awesome. Thank you so much, Raina. Yeah, you're very welcome. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for spending time with me today. Remember to check out the show notes for related resources. You can follow me on Facebook and Instagram, or you can also subscribe to my online learning page at my.thrive-life forward slash LRL series, where you'll get updates, extra tools for your toolkit. And if there's a topic that you want me to cover in this podcast, please shoot me a message. I would love to hear from you. Shoulder to shoulder with you, knee deep in this mud. I will see you back here next time.